Hello and welcome to the ETOF 21 Sports Podcast. My name is Eric. I'm the man behind ETOF 21 Sports. You can find my work on Twitter for everything at ETOF 21. On Instagram, everything sports betting at ETOF 21 Sports underscore. For free horse racing picks on Instagram at ETOF 21 Sports underscore horse underscore racing. And for free fantasy football takes, hot tips, what have you not, at ETOF 21 Sports underscore fantasy on the Instagram. How is everyone doing? Can we believe... Halloween's in two days. November is right around the corner. Um, Thanksgiving, less than a month away. It's just it's just remarkable. Time is flying, and I'm loving this time of year. Basketball, NBA is going on. College football, NFL, college basketball is right around the corner. I, I just love it. it. I love this type of year. Oh, my God, I love it. Um, I think we got, like, what, 27 days in a row with football? So a lot of stuff happening. I will be here to help you along your way, help you try to make money and try to beat the books. Because at the end of the day, that's what it's all about. I'm here to help you guys. And that's what I'm trying to do. I answer questions. I post stuff. And yeah, I mean, that's that's what it's all about. You know, me making my money cashing bets, me helping my clients cash bets, and me help you guys make some money with bets. That's what it's all about. And that's what I'm trying to do. Um, great show today. I'm going to talk about the Thursday night game. We're going to go on a little rant about something that happened last week to me on the Better Than Vegas live stream. And then I'm going to go and talk to Dylan, DC guy, DC sports guy. We're going to talk a little NBA, um, old school and OG of the podcast. Alpha is going to come on. Alpha is going to talk about, uh, analytical sports betting. So both of us have two games that we like for the, um, NFL Sunday, and we're going to talk about those, and we're going to give you our different perspectives, and yeah, just kind of like how we go through capping a game, and then uh, Brandon, and as always, is going to come on, and him and I are going to talk a little NASCAR. So the first thing I want to talk about is this whole Thursday night game that happened between the Cardinals and Packers. The thing that didn't make sense to me is this. Now, a we made money last night. I went on the Better Than Vegas live show, and I gave out... I locked in the Packers plus three and a half when the game first came out. The Devontae Adams news broke and it um, the line drifted up to six. Now, in what world is Devontae Adams only like worth three points? No world. He's worth a point at most. That line move made zero sense to me. So I just really felt it was a people overreacting because if you watch that Cardinals game, the Cardinals aren't that good. I mean, they're down to by 11 at the end of the third quarter to the, um, uh, what's the team down in Jackson? The Jaguars. They should have lost to the 49ers who were starting a rookie quarterback as his first start on the road. You know, they caught the Rams in the flat spot of flat spots. I just wasn't high on this team. I thought they were insanely overvalued. So I had the Packers. And the thing that stuck out to me was this. The Packers are giving up 5.5 yards per attempt last three games, 4.9 yards for the season. And you go out there and all you fucking do is you pass the ball. Where was Edmonds? Where was James Conner? Those two guys aren't getting any fucking love running the ball, which made zero sense with how bad the Packers defense is stopping the ball, stopping the run. So that was another thing that stood out to me. Um... Can't believe they overturned that touchdown at the end with Aaron Jones. And it's funny, I was talking to my boy E, and uh, we, um, I asked him how much two touchdowns was for Aaron Jones and James Conner, and I was actually thinking about parlaying it. 
Um, I didn't do that, though. I took James Conner first TD because he gets so many carries inside the five. James Conner over rushing yards. Aaron Jones over rushing yards. And I, like I said, I already locked in the Packers. Made a little bit of money doing it on the day, but, you know, I only did those props. And I, it, it's my own fault, guys, and I'm sorry about that. I usually only do props during the Super Bowl, but I was on that live show. I felt I needed to give more than just one thing out. So, yeah, that's my fault. Um it's fun doing the live show. I really enjoy it. You know, thanks to my boy Gino for let, giving me the opportunity to do it. I like that a lot. Um, and uh, I go on Gino's podcast every week. You know, I give out my plays for the uh, NFL. And it's something, you know, it's been interesting doing that live show with Better Than Vegas. I like it. So make sure you check me out every Saturday with Gino doing that and the rest of those guys. Um, also important to note that uh, my boy, Boy the Line, him and I are going to be starting a live stream this Saturday. It's either going to come out Saturday or Sunday. Him and I are still trying to iron everything out, and we're just going to be talking about, you know, two plays we like, two plays we like for the day. Just wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. Hit it, quit it, done. Hit it, quit it, done. Hit it, quit it, done. Um, and I think that's going to be fun. You know, again, I'm just here. I'm trying to help you guys make some money. And at the end of the day, that's what it's all about. And it's funny to me, like, I go on Twitter every single day and you see these guys and I can tell right away which guys are legit, which guys aren't legit. There's few guys in this world that do what I do. But when you log on to Twitter and you log on to Instagram, there's these guys that, uh, yeah, don't do shit. And make it sound like they're doing what I'm doing, which is kind of, kind of effing funny. But uh, yeah, you know. So again, that those are my thoughts for the Thursday night game. Now I want to shift my attention. I want to talk to you about the DFS build for this weekend. Now it's an interesting slate of games this weekend. I really think there's going to be some opportunity to make some money. And let's jump off and let's look at the quarterback position going in. And of course, we'll be using DraftKings scoring. Now, looking at the quarterback position, obviously, Allen and Stafford are the top two guys. I don't want a piece of either one of those because I think those two games are going to get out of hand. Um, go down. You got Brady. You got Herbert. You got Hurts. Um, the one thing about Hurts is he is so bad, but he gets, he gets all those rushing yards, and that's the one thing you have to kind of be mindful of him. One of the guys I respect a lot he made the comparison that he's doing what Watson was doing last year. But still, he he's priced up to 72. We got Burrow at 71, Tannehill at 66, and then we jump down to Winston at 6, Ryan at 5'9", Wentz at 5'7", Garoppolo at 5'6", and then everything below Garoppolo. These guys are just guys that, you know, I just... Don't want a piece of. I mean, I could see Big Ben having a good day against the Steel against the Browns, excuse me, because the Browns do give up a lot of points to the quarterback position. But I just I want to stay away from that. Now I'm looking right here. The Titans give up um eight point. Where are we at? The the Titans give up. 22.8 yards to a quarterback. That's tempting. But Jonathan Taylor is someone I want in my lineup. So I really don't want to go there. Um, Man, this is a tough one, guys. Looking, looking, looking. Let's see. The Jets 
shockingly only give up 15.7 points per game for the quarterback. So I really don't want to have to pay pay up for Burrow. Um, you know, Bucks they give up a lot. It's a Jameis Winston revenge game, but I really think they're going to um, have the uh, rely on the run game a little bit more and the short dink and dunk passing. Titans give up a lot. Falcons give up a lot. Man, this is a tough slate to kind of figure out what you want to do for quarterback here. So, man, tough slate, guys. You know what? Just because of his rushing yards, I think what I want to do is I think I kind of want to lean toward Jalen Hurts here. I know I said he was a little priced up, but at 7200 I think that's going to open up some options. Now we're going to shift our attention. We're going to go to the running back position. And the one thing about the running back position is the Philadelphia Eagles are giving up seven receptions, 49 yards, and 27 points per game to the running back position. Boom. Right there, I don't want to outthink the room. I'm going down, and I want to insert DeAndre Swift into the lineup. Okay? Now, on top of that, Seattle gives up the second most 27.5 yards Sorry, 27.5 points per game, 8.1 targets, 111 yards rushing, 70 yards receiving to the running back position. This is going to be the Jaguars coming off the bye at 6,600. I am all in right here on James Robinson. So I love James Robinson. So right now the build for this week is Hurts at quarterback, James Robinson and DeAndre Swift. Again, there's no Kelsey on the slate. So what you want to do in the tight end position, I'm going to leave that up to you. Because again, the thing is with tight end is tight end is so, it's just so hit and miss this year that either you 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 need the guy that's going to give the points or, excuse me, the guy that's going to get the touchdown. And if you don't get the guy that's going to get the touchdown in your lineup, it's hard to rely on those points. So now let's shift our attention to the wide receiver position. Now, the Titans are god-awful against the the pass. Just absolutely guard-awful. God-awful, excuse me. And I'm looking here. The person that I'm interested in, let's see how much he is. Michael Pittman. How much is Pittman? Pittman is at 5,300. That is a guy I'd definitely be interested in. The Washington football team, I really don't want a piece of this Broncos offense just because it's so, how can I say this politely? They suck. If this was a Drew Locke offense, I'd be a little bit more interested. Dolphins, they're next, giving up the third most points to wide receivers. Again, that's something I really just don't want anything of. Just just because you got to think of it like this. I don't want anything of it just because they are going to be down. Excuse me, the Dolphins are going to be down by so much. Like, how much are the Bills going to have to throw? So that's really going to limit how many points um, Stefan Diggs can get. Now, let me, where'd my list go? God, it's like, this is so funny to me. Like, I'm like such an old school guy. I have all these sheets all over. And it's like, I just need to like become more modern. Just put all this shit on the iPad. Um, but anyway, I regress. The next one after them, it is the Wash, not the Chicago Bears. Now, the Bears play the 49ers. How much is Debo? How much is Debo? Debo's, uh, see, Debo's got priced up. Debo's at 74. 
So it's kind of looking like it could be Pittman. How much is Deontay Johnson just because Den Ward may be out? Deontay Johnson, 76. Hmm. This is getting very interesting, children. Very, very interesting. Um, yeah, because these other guys are a little bit higher priced up, I want to see if I can find someone that is, you know, I don't want to say a bottom tier, but like a mid-tier type guy. Pittman is obviously someone who's great, but maybe we can find someone a little bit cheaper, you know, that has a little bit of a better option. Um, what about Devontae Smith? I usually don't like doing this. Devontae Smith is 5,500. So gun to my head, you know what? We're going to do it. Let, let, let's put out Pittman. So we're going to put in Pittman. So the four people that we are building around for our cash game lineup is Jalen Hurts, James Robinson, DeAndre Smith, and Michael Pittman. Those are going to be the three guys that we're going to step in and we're going to build and we're going to try to get it there. Um, Hurts, the idea is, look, we're going to get the rushing yards, passing yards. Detroit's defensive front I don't think is going to be quick enough to contain Hurts. And this is the typical rebound type game. Hurts is going to be playing for his job, and I think this game is going to be a little bit competitive. Um, in terms of James Robinson, it's what it's like every single week. We like to play running backs against the Seattle front. Um, so it's 6,700. Let's lock it in. Uh, the next one is DeAndre Swift. DeAndre Swift, 7,100. He's a little pricey, a little bit chalked up. But you know what? With how bad Philadelphia is against the run, and more importantly, giving up receptions to the running back, you have to lock him in here. Um, and then on top of that, you have to make sure in DraftKings it's PPR format. In FanDuel it's not. So this is why in DraftKings you can use Swift and the other ones you can't. And for the wide receiver, we're going to go Pittman. I mean, this this secondary is so fucking bad for the Titans. Like, let's just set it. So those are the three we're building against. Again, the goal is to get 115 points. If we get 115 points in our cash game lineup, we are going to be making cash. And it's all about the 50-50s. Make sure it's single game entry, guys. We're not going to be chasing the millions. That's it for the fantasy football talk. Now let's shift our attention to the National Basketball Association. So now, of course, talking NBA, we're going to bring Dylan, a.k.a. DC underscore sports guy on, talk a little association. Dylan, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, Eric. How are you? Pretty good. Pretty good. No real complaints. Um, now, the big thing is, and I sent you the video of John Wall lighting up Jalen Green in the practice on the um, taking with the basket and everything. Yeah. He's obviously he can go, but they're trying to find a trade partner for him in Houston. Where is John Wall going to end up going? So I mean, I can't really find a really like a realistic spot because many of these teams don't have a ton of cap where they can just take on John Wall's contract. But a team I, I really like for John Wall would be the Boston Celtics. That's primarily because after losing Kemba Walker, they need a guy to take over at that point guard spot. Dennis Schroeder is not the answer moving forward. I think we all know that. And Marcus Smart is like a guy who's kind of like an in-between one or two. And I think it would probably take Marcus Smart and Josh Richardson to make, that, make the contracts work, along with like a few other small role players. 
But obviously, there would have to be some picks going back to Boston because I don't think Boston would willingly take on that contract while giving up one of the better defenders in the NBA. I think the Celtics could really use Wall's veteran presence and his, um, and his ability to just lead a team and run an offense. I feel like they've been missing that for years now. That would make some sense. I mean, I think John Wall is great, but you're right. I'm looking at it right now. He's at $44 million, man. Jesus, a $44 million cap hit. Um, I love Marcus Smart. I think he's a pit bull. I'd love to go to war with that guy. You'll have to take the occasional bad shot. But, I mean, with what he does at the defense, like defensive end, I mean, I I would go to war with that guy in the basketball court any day. Um, Now, the trade I was thinking about, now, they almost did it last year. They almost shipped Ben Simmons to Houston. What about like a Simmons and a couple couple other pieces? You'll need a couple other pieces to make up the ten million dollar in the in the salary difference. But um, what about a Simmons to um, to Houston? The reason I like this for Philadelphia is a I felt what hurt Philly in the playoffs was they didn't have that guard and that playmaker that could drive initiate the pick and roll with Embiid. They'd get that with Wall. Um, and Simmons wouldn't really have to be the man in Houston because it would be Jalen Jalen Green's team moving forward. What do you mm-hmm. think about that? I really like that deal. Also, if, if Houston, or excuse me, if the Sixers could find a way to also add an Eric Gordon to that deal, another shooter and a great wing defender, that deal would make all the more sense for them. So I would really love to see that deal happen. What about this? I, I have the trade. I have the good old NBA trade machine in front of me right now. What about we do a little? Um, would you do this one? Ben Simmons and Tobias Harris for John Wall, Eric Gordon. Mm, I, I'm a big fan of Tobias Harris. I really think he's one of the more underrated players in the NBA. So I probably would avoid doing that. Okay. All right. So let's take out. So. God. So we got sixty-two million. So we're gonna need to add add some guys. Um, we'll throw in the trade exception with James Enos. Okay. Um, how about Jesus? See, the thing is, is they're so top heavy in space. If you don't throw yeah. in mm-hmm. a it goes Curry, Embiid, uh, Harris, and yeah. and Simmons, that's really where all their cap goes to. And then you don't want to trade Seth Curry, obviously. I mean, I'm looking at this right here. If you throw in Oh my god, man. I'm throwing in Jesus. I'm throwing in just basically their whole bench. And I don't think you can make the salary add up. No, that's why like, I like, think that like, you would have to take on some con- take on some of Wall's contract in order to make a deal you, with the team. Yeah, you would definitely need it need like a third like a third team into this. Um, but yeah, like it's just there's no real contending team that's really lacking at the one position. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like there, there's no way he's not going to go to Brooklyn. He's not going to go to Milwaukee. He's not going to go to Miami. He's not going to go to Atlanta. He's not going to go to New York. He's not going to go to Chicago. I mean, in terms of teams in the East that need somebody, I mean, Boston and Philadelphia makes sense. In the Western Conference, I don't think there's a team in the Western Conference that really needs a point guard. You know, I mean, I'm looking 
I mean, I, I'm pulling up the standings right now. The Jazz don't, Warriors don't, Mavericks don't, T-Wiffs don't, Grizz no, Kings no, Trailblazers no, Nuggets. I mean, Murray's out for a year, but I really don't think you, you want him there. Not the Lakers. I mean, not the Suns, not the Clips. I mean, Spurs. I don't think he's going to go to the Spurs. No, Spurs probably don't want to add on that contract, especially with their youth movement right now. And they also have DeJounte Murray. What about the Pels? Mm, maybe. Well, I actually like that. Because, I mean, you could send off Graham in a deal like that. But I think Graham and Wall could work. Maybe have Graham come off the bench as a six-man. Because that's why I think his role is better suited, running the second unit and being able to um, play make and play off-ball as well. So I'd really like that deal if you could find a way to make that work. All right, so I'm looking at this. Okay, let's put let's put John Wall in. Now, Jesus, dude. Um, <laughs> look at it, this salary, man. But this is another team. I mean, you got Ingram at 29, Velasquez at 14, Hart at 12, Zion at 10. I mean, you would be giving up all these role players. Just you know, I I don't I don't know. If, finance wise if that makes sense it really doesn't and i mean with everything that's going on with zion williamson i really don't feel you can afford to trade brad and ingram away because i mean rumors are flying that zinger that williamson wants out so yeah it's really with the money wise it's kind of hard to figure out where john wall can go um another thing that we talked about is lebron he missed the game um earlier in the week against the Spurs, missed the game against the OKC where, I mean, dude, what were they up by, like, 29, 28 points, and yet they lost. Do you feel like we should be concerned about this injury, or is this just kind of like LeBron and the Lakers saying, hey, it's a Monday in San Antonio and a Wednesday in Oklahoma City. We This is why we got Westbrook, so LeBron's healthy for the playoffs. Or do you really think there's something going on with LeBron? I mean, to me, it's almost a little too early to be resting a guy or using the old uh, load management excuse. Um, Personally, I believe that LeBron could be a bit banged up because remember when uh, Desmond Bain um, rolled up on his leg and he was down on the floor for like a good bit? I think he still could have some uh, lingering effects from that. So I wouldn't be surprised if it was almost like a precautionary thing or just like, all right, we don't want you to, you know, since your leg is weak or whatever. I don't, I don't know the specific injury, but since your leg is weak, we don't want you going out there playing against an OKC, which we should handle. And unfortunately they didn't, um, that they would just rest them. So I really think it's more precautionary. Yeah. It's like, I don't know. Cause their, their defense is so bad. And it's been, there's been a lot of little funky results so far to start the NBA. You know what I mean? It's not, it hasn't been like mm-hmm. the dominating teams you know, dominating. I mean, case in point, the Timberwolves beat the freaking uh, Bucks the other night. You know, there's, you know, you look right now at hypothetically. You now, granted, I know it's five games in. This would be the this would be the top eight seeds: Knicks, Bulls, Hornets, Wizard, Heat, Cavs at number six, Hawks at seven, and your defending NBA champions, the Milwaukee Bucks, at eight. I mean, that's just absolutely mind-boggling with the Nets not making the playoffs um with that being said the Bulls are definitely one of the surprises teams um it was a disappointing game last last night it was the first real quote-unquote real team that they played 
lost by one, typical DeRozan. I'm not really that big of a DeMarcus DeRozan guy. Um, are you buying this Bulls team, or is this just, hey, you know what? They're beating the teams that were in front of them to start the season. I mean, they beat the – who they beat? Pelicans, Pistons, you know, Cavs. They beat the, those teams to start the season. Are you buying this team or not? I mean, I, I'm, I'm just shocked that the Knicks held on to that thing. It, it really felt like they are going to lose that. I'm so glad my Knicks won. But, yeah, so I, I believe in the Bulls because of their seven – they have, like, a nice seven-man rotation. And, unfortunately, I just got the news that um, – Patrick Williams is out, so this kind of changes my answer a bit. But um, I believe if they can stay healthy for the majority, if Lonzo Ball, DeRozan, Levine, and Vucevic could stay healthy for the most part, I really believe in this team, and I think they could make um, some noise, maybe win a few games in the first round, maybe even advance to the second round in the uh, NBA playoffs. But I think that their lack of, lack of depth is what really is holding them back from being a top three or four seed in the Eastern Conference. Yeah, I mean, it's losing Williams is going to be a big blow to them. Um, I don't know, like, with how DeRozan plays, and he's obviously going to be the closer, I just don't know if you can win with that. You know what I mean? Like, you couldn't do it in San Antonio. You couldn't do it. He couldn't do it in Toronto. I just, I don't know. And me being from Michigan and being a Pistons fan, I have ingrained in my head to hate every single Chicago sports team. It's ingrained in my head. Even I live in the Chicago suburbs, guys, and I hate every Chicago sports team. Um, so I don't know. I don't. To me, I just think they're playing the teams in front of them. They're getting their asses kicked. And you're right. I really thought the Bulls were going to come back and win that game last night. But uh, you know, I just I don't know. I'm just not. I'm just not sipping the Kool Aid quite yet. And losing Williams hurts. Um, another team. You've been on this high on this team um, since last year. You're all on the Lamelo train. I'm. I'm still not. I'm still not buying a ticket, my friend. Still not buying a ticket to the. To the <laughs> still not buying a ticket. Um, the Hornets. The Hornets are currently. The Hornets, Wizards, Bulls, and Knicks are tied for the best record in the East at four and one. Hornets lead the NBA in scoring, averaging 121 points per game. I mean. Are we buying this team, or is this team just another one? Hey, it's off to a hot start. You know, what say you about the uh, about the Hornets? Oh, I'm absolutely buying the Hornets' success, and that's primarily because they're doing this all without an elite big man. And um, even though some people might believe uh, you don't necessarily need an elite big man to win in the NBA, you do to hold your own against other bigs that are um, like a like a Demontis Sabonis, like a Nikola Vucevic, like guys like that in the Eastern Conference. Um, their ability to run the floor, tire teams out, and play in transition because of how young they are and um, how deep they are gives me a ton of confidence for them moving forward. See, for me, I don't know. Did you did you catch the Magic game? I caught the, the end of the Magic game on, um, when was it? It was the 27th, which was Wednesday. Um, did you Did you catch the end of that game? No, I did not. Okay, so I, I admit it. I may have been financially invested in the Magic that game. They didn't cover. <laughs> but um, the thing that stood out for me is the game was close. And guess who was, guess who was in as point guard? It wasn't Ball. It was Ish Smith. Ish Smith closed the game. And I find Yeah, no, Ish Smith had a pretty good game. Yeah, I, I kind of find that a little interesting. Um, but to me... 
I think this team goes with Gordon Hayward. I think he's the guy that's going to have the ball in his hands come crunch time to get a bucket, to make a shot. Um, and we saw the, we, the, the wheels fell off with this team when they, um, when he went down last year. And I think he's the key to them. He has to stay healthy and everything. And I think, you know what I mean? I, that, that's it for me. I really don't think, I think he's been in the NBA enough. I think he's a leader. I think this is his team. I really think people are kind of rushing to kind of like make ball into something he's really not. Cause at the end of the day, he hasn't won. And at any level besides high school level when he was on his brother's team. And that's something for me that kind of sticks out. So that's why I'm not really that much of a believer in him, like, being able to take that team to that next level. Could he be fun to play with? Yeah, I'm not arguing that. But to win at the end of the day, I'm just not sipping that Kool-Aid yet. Um, yeah, that's definitely fair. I feel like um, Lamelo's a, a guy where – He's a great guy to play with because he'll set other guys up and other he'll elevate the play of other players. Like look at look at Miles Bridges per se. Miles Bridges is averaging twenty six points a game because Lamelo Ball's setting them up perfectly, and they have a great they have a great connection. And I feel like if they didn't necessarily have that Lamelo Ball type point guard, maybe this team, maybe the players on this team wouldn't have as great a success that they already have. See, I think Bridges is great because he went to Michigan State, probably the best basketball school in the history of the NCAA. And it's just showing to all those young kids out there that are aspiring basketball greats, you want to go to Izzo, you want to learn from Izzo, man. So, um, but no, Bridges is playing an insane level, and it's great to see because he was that guy that came to Michigan State as a highly touted prospect, and he never was really able to, like, you know, in college really look like the man. You know what I mean? And it's great to see him balling out. And he was great to close the end of that uh, Magic game. And as a sparring guy, you know, that's great to see. Um, one of the guy, one of the teams that I was like, I was interested to see, um, Sterling, Silver Star Sports, like him and I talk NBA basically as much as you, you and I do. Um, he was actually hyping the Celtics team as a team that could actually maybe sneak in and be a top three seed. He was really hyping them. Um, they've kind of struggled. They just—I don't know. Some like something just doesn't look right with them. I really can't. I mean, I have my idea what it is, but I would, I'm interested to hear what you think is wrong with the Boston Celtics. Yeah. So, like I mentioned before, I feel like the Celtics are clearly lacking that true leader and a starting caliber point guard. Because you look at their roster, it's really, really young. I mean. You need a lot of teams in the NBA. You need your best player or one of your best players to lead. And Jason Tatum really isn't a true leader, and neither is Jalen Brown. I mean, this team probably goes to um, Al Horford for most of their. Uh, I don't know when they have questions and stuff. Like he's like the he's like the guy who commands the team almost, but he's not one of their better players. And I feel like that's almost not what you want in a basketball team necessarily. So I think maybe adding, like a John Wall, like I said, a guy who still plays at a very high level when he's healthy could be huge for this team. Yeah, they definitely need a leader and someone, you know, like, that will buy in. I really feel like with Marcus Smart's temperament, he can't be that guy. And that's mm -hmm. the big difference between him and Kyle Lowry. Kyle Lowry is a pit bull exactly like a um, a Marcus Smart. Like those two, those, the analogy I have for those two, 
those two would run through hell to get a win for their team. They don't care. They'll do literally anything. Dive on a loose ball, hit a three, argue to the ref. Those guys will do anything, get in your face. But it's just like the way Lowry does it, he gets everyone to bark in. Marcus Smart, he gets people pissed at him. You know, so it's just it's just a difference thing. Um, stuff is coming out that Jalen Brown really hasn't recovered from his knee issues, that COVID, he's just having a hard time coming back from COVID, recovering from his knee, which I get and I understand and I feel for you, but everyone's dealing with what's going on in the world with the COVID and injuries. So I I just don't know, but I think you hit the nail on the, nail on the head, like, Neither one of these guys is a quote unquote leader, and the one that I've watched two Celtics games, and it's still the same thing with Tatum. He just forces shots, and he when you run twos at him, he just doesn't hit the open guy in stride. And until he does that, I really think this team is going to struggle. Um, I thought Schroeder would be an upgrade over Kemba Walker because Kemba wasn't able to play every game last year because of his knee injuries. But that's just not the thing. And at the end of the day, I really think trading away Daniel Thies, was it Thesis, Theus or whatever his name is, to the Rockets. Yeah, yeah, yeah Daniel Thies, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Daniel Thies. I just I think that was a god awful trade. And I really think they're just missing his overall just toughness and the grit that he brought day in and day out. Mm-hmm. Um now as people know, I'm a diehard Pistons fan. I thought we were going to come in. I thought we were going to ball out, seeing the guys take their step, next steps. Now, don't get me wrong. I love what I've seen from Bay, but it's really hard because Cunningham hasn't played yet. We haven't won a game yet. When the hell are we going to get our first win? Are, are, are we going to beat the Magic, I guess, on Saturday? That's my question. I, I mean, the, easier, the easy answer is, when Cade gets back from his injury, which sounds like it could be as soon as this weekend. But I really believe that the Pistons have a bigger problem, and that's Killian Hayes being an absolute bust. I mean, Killian Hayes is just not a good player. That's Simply put, I mean, the guy should not be playing 20-plus minutes in an NBA game, and I think that's their biggest problem. I think they need to find more guard depth on this roster. Yeah, he's been a complete... I, I really thought with the success he had at a young age playing at a high level overseas and his height to be able to see over the defender in the pick and roll. I really, I, I love this kid, but he's just, it's been a fucking train wreck, man. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? It is just been a fucking train wreck watching this kid on the, uh, on the court, man. Cause I mean, I'm looking at their schedule right now. They play the magic. Okay. On Sunday and then he go they go nets bucks 76ers nets i mean that's like a murderous death row and then they go at the rockets and there's all this noise that jalen green is pissed off because he wasn't fucking picked as the um first overall pick yeah so i don't i don't know if they don't get it tomorrow against the magic i mean they may not get the next one until the 10th which would be god fucking awful um, so I, yeah, it's just, it's hard being a Piston fan, man. We had so much hope when they drafted Cade. I got my motor, my motorcade shirt on actually right now. I got my old school, uh, Detroit Pistons hat on, you know, it's like, I got my, Det- I was, I was rocking the Detroit versus everyone shirt when I went to the store later, t- earlier today. Yeah. It's just, 
it's just tough being a being a uh, a Pistons fan. Now, yeah, I feel the same way, man. As a Knicks fan, I had to deal with that for years. The same stuff, just like rolling out complete nobodies in the lineup half the nights, like barely being able to watch the games because of how brutal they were. Like, I, I understand your pain. It's it's just rough. Um, now looking now, granted, we're only like five games in. Now, are there any like players that you feel have like? Hey, you know this guy's doing a little better than I thought he would, or oh, dude, you know this this guy sucks. Um, any anything like that? Any guys that have overwhelmed or underwhelmed so far to start the season for you? Yeah, for me, that's Draymond Green. Actually, Dray like Draymond of old is finally back, and although he isn't known to be the most efficient shooter, he's shown a will and willingness and like an aggressiveness on offense that he hasn't showed off in years, and it's kind of and it's kind of paid off. I mean. He's been extremely, I mean, even though it's like an extremely small uh, sample size, his field goal percentage and three-point percentage are at career highs. And if he can sustain the offensive success that he has right now, it could really result in a Golden State Championship if Clay Thompson can stay healthy. I mean, the guy that's kind of like, and I, I've, I've loved this kid since he came out, um, and I'm high on this team. I actually have a future on them to win the South. It's actually... John ja Morant. I mean, like, mm -hmm. if you would have told me, hey, week two, who's going to be leading the league in scoring? Like, I don't think I, John Morant would have been in the top ten guys, I would say. You know, he, this kid is averaging 30 points per game. Um, last night, they went into Golden State. They beat Golden State in overtime, 104 to 101. Um, I'm pulling up their schedule right now. I mean, they're, they're on this brutal West Coast trip. And, I mean, they're sitting at 2-2 two and two right now. I mean, they, they won at the Clippers, lost to the Lakers, lost to Portland, just beat Golden State. Now they go home tomorrow. I mean, 2-2 two and two on that swing, that's good. Morant's balling out. I mean, I, yeah, I mean, seeing this kid constantly involved, I, I freaking love it, man. Yeah, I definitely agree. I mean, he's all, he's doing that also while having a good three ball. I mean, that was the really main concern about his game was, will he be able to shoot consistently from three? And so far, I mean, even though, like I said, with Draymond Green, it's a small sample size, he's shooting over 40% from three. And if he can sustain that, he might win MVP. Yeah, which is crazy. Just absolutely, absolutely crazy to even... I don't even want to say comp, like, to even consider. You know what I mean? Like, to say, oh, wow, John Morant, MVP. Um, now, in terms of, like, you know, disappointing, is there anyone that's kind of, like, you know, really, like, disappointed to start the season or you're kind of, like, looking at and you're kind of like, oh, I thought they'd be doing better? Well, I mean, I've got two guys. So one is one of my New York Knicks, Julius Randle, and the other is James Harden. But I really think that, James Harden is a guy that I think many people have seemed more concerned about, so I'll, I'll touch base on him. Um, Harden just hasn't been getting to, to the line because he hasn't been able to get these foul calls since the new rule changes and stuff. His, his point um, totals have dropped significantly. He's only had two games this season with 20 points or more. I think they've actually been 20 points for both of them. And... Um, the rest of the games, he's been at or under 15 points. So, I mean, I don't expect him 
to be at uh, averaging only like 17 or 18 points like he currently is right now. But I wouldn't be surprised if his point total went from maybe a uh, 28-29 point per game score to being maybe more of a 24-25 point per game score. And that would really hurt his game because that's really what his greatness is predicated on. It's not being a great defender, being a great, great rebounder or anything. It's all about his scoring. And if he can't sustain this high-scoring output like he has for many years, I, I really don't know what his future is going to look like in the NBA or how big of a contract he's going to get for his next contract. And, I mean, it's kind of crazy. Like, I, And I hate Trey Young. I'll be the first to admit I'm not a Trey, Trey Young type of guy, but I was reading how he's gone from eight points – eight, three throws a game to four because of the new rules. And he's, he's really frustrated with it. But, you know, he's at least had, what, two games now where he's popped over 30. He's at least be able to create, you know, some more shots and everything. Um, But the guy that's kind of disappointed for me is, you know, and I think it's just because of the, hey, we went six games in the finals. I went overseas. I played in the Olympics. You know, D-book, man. Mm-hmm. You know, he's only averaging 21 points per game, um, scored 12 against Denver, 17 against Portland. Um, last two games combined, he's only shooting 9 to 25 from the floor. You know, he's just not, you know what I mean? He's just not hitting anything. I think his legs are starting to get a little bit tired. Uh, two for seven against threes against Denver. Last two games against threes, five of 13. I just, I don't know. I, I think his legs are tired, and I I think the guys that are went overseas to play in Toronto, yeah, I, I think they're going to end up regretting it toward the end of the year just because they're just going to be tired. You already saw Holiday's been out for the Bucks. He hasn't been playing because he's got a banged-up leg. So, yeah, I just, mm-hmm. I haven't been that impressed with D-Book. Yeah, neither have I. I mean, usually he's been able to put this team on on his back when they needed him to. And, I mean, he's been fine this year, but he certainly hasn't played up to the level that he's capable of playing. And he's shooting um, 7% worse than he was last year. He's currently shooting 41% from the field. So, I mean, I I think he'll, you know, as the year goes on, I think he'll certainly improve that. But I think this guy could really use some rest, along with a bunch of other guys, like you said, being from the, or coming from the Olympics and coming from what is a short summer for them. So, it was kind of, I mean, it's not really funny, but the Bucks fans have said the biggest win for the Bucks this offseason was Greece not making the Olympics. Yeah, honestly. <laughs> I mean, like, really you, you know what I mean? Like, because that way Giannis and was it over there playing, and he's crazy enough, he'd fly right out there and compete right away. So, yeah, yeah I mean, these guys, like, need their rest, and we're all creatures of habit. I mean, just think about our daily routines. You know, I like to wake up. I like to have my protein, not my protein, what is it called? My pre-workout, you know, hit the gym and then start my day. If I don't do that, I'm a mess. And these NBA players are the same way. They like to have their summers off. You know what I'm saying? Like their seasonal stuff off, rehab their body. And when that gets effed up, it just totally throws them off. And I think we're kind of seeing it with some of these top notch guys that went over. Um, But... Yeah, there's not – the NBA is crazy because there's never really – how can I say this? Any any really off days. You know what I mean? There's always something coming up. Um, I had an interesting discussion with my buddy the other day, and I he- actually heard it on, um, on NBA radio when I was driving the other day. Do you think 
LeBron James, when his playing day is over, could become a part owner or and eventually maybe even own the Cleveland Cavaliers? Oh, I could definitely see that. I think this guy, his whole, almost a lot of his life is predicated off of basketball, and he's just been doing it for so long that some guys just can't get away from it. So I really would not be surprised whether if he either works for a team, being like a GM or a um, assistant in some sort of form, or um, owning a team, like you said. I, I could definitely see that happening. Like something like Jordan, you know, get a couple guys and just kind of come in there and then just kind of like you know, get it the way you want it. And the thing is, is like, he's got so many fucking connections. He's going to be able to get people to come to Cleveland. You know what I mean? As crazy as it sounds, he's going to be able to get people to come to Cleveland. Um, Other thing that I heard, now granted, I have not watched any Raptors basketball. Have you watched any Raptors basketball this year yet? No, I haven't yet. But I've been looking at highlights, looking at the box scores. Now... I, they were talking about how instead of like the um, getting a rebound and passing it to Van Vliet or, or Dragic or, or whoever, what they're starting to do is as soon as the rebound hits, they're just having the big man bring it up. They're trying to push the ball up the floor to kind of just take advantage because most of the chaos on defense happens with it within the first six to eight seconds. And... I did find that interesting, but I think as Andre Drummond has shown all of us, my boy Magic Drummond, former Piston bust, um, you just can't trust a big man dribbling, especially in critical situations come playoff time or at the end of the season when games matter. What do you think of that philosophy that Nurse is trying to install? I will definitely say that the Raptors do have a unique roster where they have bigs like a Scotty Barnes, like a Delano Benton, where they can bring up the ball and play like a guard. Like, Scotty Barnes has great handles and good, really, really good vision for a big. So if you have Scotty Barnes come rebound, go rebound a ball, dribble it up the floor, I really don't see that as much of a disadvantage as some people might think. Yes, it was. It kind of made me wonder. You know what I mean? I was like, oh, that's... Oh, you know what I mean? Like, oh, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, it's interesting. Definitely interesting. I, I, I'll, I'd like to see how this works uh, moving forward. Um, Dylan, I'd like to thank you for taking time out of your Friday, coming on, talking little hoops. Um, you kind of broke my heart yesterday when you posted your NFL draft edition and had my Lions drafting a quarterback and not the defensive lineman from Oregon. But uh, why don't you tell everybody where they can find you on Instagram and the posts you have planned moving forward? Yeah, so you can follow me at DC underscore sports guy on Instagram and on TikTok. Um, I am much more active on Instagram, so I would suggest that uh, you would follow that. So moving forward, I'm going to start posting more college basketball content as that is we are moving into college basketball season. I might potentially um, post my top 25 preseason rankings for college basketball, maybe some um, late in-season college football Heisman rankings. Uh I've got a lot planned, and you should really stay tuned. Yeah, and I mean, I will give you credit where credit is due. I didn't see one goddamn person hyping Alabama basketball to win the SEC last year, except for you, my friend. And yeah, thank you. Thank you, you know, I mean, that, that team was loaded with guards. I mean, it was crazy. I was like, 
okay, this team's guard depth, and, and um, they had some pretty impactful forwards like a um, Herb Jones last year. I mean, I was like, man, this team could make a run. Okay, all right. But, I mean, in terms of this year, now, granted, I've done nothing. Have you have you started to do any right research for college basketball yet? Yes, I have actually. Um, so why don't you give as, like, why don't you give everyone a little give give everyone a little teaser? Just you know, like one, not 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 something that big because you want them to check out the post, but just give a little teaser about a team. Yeah, so a team that I'm really high on this year is the Michigan Wolverines. So I know that um, they lost some guys like a, um, Xavier Simpson, who was crucial to them to their success last year. But they're bringing back some really impactful guys like a Brandon Jones Jr., like a Hunter Dickinson, who is one of the uh, Wooden Award finalists, I believe. So I really think this Michigan team has a good chance at being a top five team again this year. That breaks my heart too, man, because I fucking hate U of M, dude. I hate U of M with a passion. <laughs> uh, but Dylan, thanks for coming on. Um, stay warm down there in South Carolina, my friend, and uh, hopefully uh, we'll talk soon, man. Yeah, thanks. I really appreciate it, man. So now we're going to welcome an old friend of the show. We haven't talked. God, like how long, is, David, how long has it been since we talked? Like a year, maybe a year and a half? It's been a while since you and I have connected. Um, yeah, on, this, on your show for sure. It's been about a year, man. <laughs> so uh, David Alpha Analytics 21 on Instagram. Him and I talked a lot during the lockdown, NASCAR, UFC, I mean, KBO, I mean, we, uh, we're we having you come back on because, you know, we're here to educate people about sports betting and everything, and you have a completely different way of looking at stuff than I do, so we're going to take two of the bigger games for the NFL, and we're going to kind of talk about why I like a side, why you like a side, and see if, um, kind of just educate people, like, how we handicap games. Um, so... First of all, before we dive on all of that, David, why don't you tell everybody, like, when you get a game you want to handicap and look into, why don't you take everyone through your process a little bit? Okay. Yeah, thank you for that. Um, yeah, so, you know, every time that, from my side, I'm all about the numbers, right? Like, I'm everything to do with, you know, what the overall team offense and team defense, you know, look like in, in terms of a statistical model. So I model every single league. And so basically from there, when I uh, take my numbers, I update, you know, basically on a weekly basis before lines are even pretty much ready, right? Like, I mean, I think the lines are pretty much ready by like Tuesday of, or Monday night, depending pretty much by Tuesday though. Um, you, you start to see some season lines come in. So what I do from my perspective is really just kind of run through updating all the data and all the stats from the week previous, and I throw it into my model. So, you know, that's that's the first thing. But what I like to look at in terms of a solid matchup and everything like that would be for me to uh, check out, you know, teams' records, and I look at overall offensive rate. Uh, offensive ranking and defensive rankings from both a pass and rush perspective. And so I pretty much know everybody's team rank and where they sit going into a match. But I also look at their form. And, you know, at the end of the day, it's all about, you know, how well is this team performing in order for them to even be considered a value play for myself. My models are more of a guide, right? Like It really sets me up to really pick and choose, you know, the, the few matchups where the books got it wrong. Like, I'm able to just pretty much look at their lines, create my own lines, and say, no, they got this wrong. 
and the public perception is wrong because that's what sets the line. And that's where I pretty much lean into that in terms of making a play. Now, so, <clears throat> let, yeah, me, let me ask you a question. When you look at the team's rankings, do you look at like their team ranking like they are, they average high, like 130, give out 113 yards of rushing? Or do you look at like where they are DVOA? Because a lot of people, when they come out and they talk, they mention DVOA. Do you look at more of the statistical outfit? Out, output, yes, or do you look at DVOA? Exactly, exactly. DVOA, right? Mm-hmm. Defense-adjusted value over average, right? So this is our system that breaks down pretty much every single NFL play and comparing that performance for a league baseline based on situation to determine that value over average that we're looking for. And so I do. I have a ranking based on that DVOA. And I call it DeVoa just to make it easier for myself. But, <clears throat> you know, if I'm looking at a matchup, I, I already have the ranks of DeVoa ranks from both a rush and pass perspective, as well as a from an offensive side, as well as a defensive side. Okay. All right. Now, do you factor in special teams or not as much? Not as much, no. Okay. All right. So the first game, we're going to look at two of the bigger, higher, like, profiled games, we'll call them, of the weekend. The first game we're going to look at is the Steelers versus the Browns. Um, before we recorded, well, well, the line was about three and a, three and a half Browns laying. Um, where do you, do your numbers and the way you cap take take you in this game? All right. So looking at the Steelers and Browns, you know, from an overall record perspective, the Steelers are sitting three and three, and the Browns are sitting four and three. From a home and away perspective of record, the Steelers are one and one on the road, and the Browns are three and one at home. Right, so that gives me at least perspective to know: Are they even good form? Do they actually represent, you know, well on the road or at home for themselves? And the Browns obviously represent at home a lot better, and the Steelers are just a 50-50 team, whether on at home or on the road overall. So, from that perspective. I've already calculated at least the numbers from a model average perspective. My line sits at minus four and a half. The book line is sitting at minus three and a half. And so from my perspective, looking at that, you know, I don't see a lot of value in terms of a give and a line. Like when you mentioned, you know, what are I, where do I find value in a line? Um, you know, that's, I look for a deviation of about four to five points uh, difference between my line and a book line to really make that considered a play. And the reason for that is because, like, an overall average, you know, um, point differential within a game is about five points in the NFL. That is a pretty good line, you know, pretty good margin to set between, you know, knowing the line and actually kind of like a projected line of, you know, value, if you will. So from that perspective, I I can already look at this and go, it's not going to be a lot of, like, value in actually betting the spread. However... Looking at the teams in their form and where they sit from a De- DeVoe perspective, the Browns have the best rushing offense in the league. They are number one. And they also have the third best rushing defense in the league. So things that drive a lot in terms of you know, just the game outcome is going to come down to a team's rushing performance and time of possession. So <clears throat> from that perspective, you can say that the Cleveland Browns should absolutely rule in that fashion you know, to act, you know, to actually have maintain more time of possession from a rush, rushing perspective as well as defensively, they're going to make Pittsburgh throw this ball because you know, rushing wise, Pittsburgh sits twenty third in the league, 
and that's you know just again based on the vote rankings that I have. Their defense, though, is still a top ten rushing defense. They sit at number nine based on my rankings and numbers. So you know, overall, just looking at it from a rushing perspective, this definitely favors the Browns, and it favors them at home in a lot of ways. And getting Nick Chubb back is going to be a big help. You know, to actually secure keeping that number one. Uh, rushing ranked offense on the field. So, but from a passing perspective, these teams are pretty pretty even across the board. Um, you know, the, the Browns are actually sitting with a ranking of about 15. And then their defensive, you know, they sit at a, a rank of about 23. So this should turn into more of a passing game, in my opinion, for, you know, the Steelers to actually have any kind of uh, way in, you know, to actually be competitive here. Uh, the Steelers themselves sitting with a passive uh, offense are ranking about 20th, so not, nothing you know to really get alarmed about or anything to take you know to worry about in terms of where they sit passing wise. I mean, it's not it's not a great ranking for them, but it's a pretty much a moot point because I look at their passing offense of rank 20th against a, a, a passing defense ranked 23rd, and just say, okay, probably the defense is going to show up a little bit more. And then similarly for the Browns, right? They have a passing offense of 15. The Steelers' defense ranked 13 against the pass. So personally for me, looking at this, I just see this more as a, all right, well, you know, passing is probably not going to be – I mean, it should be the only way that the Steelers actually have any kind of, like, offense whatsoever in this game, in my opinion. However, <clears throat> I just look at that as a one-to-one ratio between the teams where they even each other out on the passing side of the ball. So it's going to come down to the rushing, which I think, you know, very much lends itself to the Browns. So from that perspective, that is where I actually kind of sit. And, you know, I'm actually projecting a line, you know, like I said, just a bit higher on one, you know, overall model here. And, you know, in terms of a total as well, like I I started looking across, like, all right, is there any any value in the total line? I, I usually look for a little higher separation with the differential of about seven points in the game from a total perspective. I usually try to give myself at least a touchdown, you know, difference, um, just making sure that, you know, there is a significant value there uh, to play. And in this game, there really isn't. Um, 42 points on the line. I'm seeing, you know, based on my models, kind of an average of 46 to 48 points, which would obviously lend itself to the over. It's just not enough for me to pull the trigger on the game and actually make it a play across the board. But if I were to make this a play, I would absolutely still lean with Cleveland minus three. I'd probably buy the half point down. Um, not big into buying points ever, but you know, based on where this line kind of is sitting right now, probably looking a little bit better at Cleveland, you know, minus three than minus three and a half. Now, when you look at an over under. What is the number? What what is the numerical value that you need to find value? Like hypothetically, like if like are you looking for like a seven point difference, six point difference, not in the spread, but in the over under? What Correct, is it? right? And that's what I was just saying, right? So with the totals, I look for about a seven point a seven point difference, right. roughly. So and, and you look for that in know, the sp- in the right, sp- and right now, like I said, I'm seeing the project the, the book line at forty two. But my line's sitting at like 46, so right. just above the 42. Like if I, if I had a lean, I would lean over on the on the 42. But okay. overall, it's just too close, you know, to really say that there's any value on that line based on the book line. Okay, my fault, my fault. I just wanted to make sure I understood that. Um, now, 
how this is how I look at the game, and this is great because I love it when people come on and they don't agree with me. So you know what I mean, like because <laughs> I because who wants to hear people that agree with each other? To me, that's no fun. Right. Um, right. So I like the Steelers here, and the reason I like the Steelers is I looked at it. Skafanski is zero and six against the spread last year against the AFC North. Tomlin as a dog is forty and twenty against the spread, sixty seven percent. Big Ben. As a short dog, so that means any number under three and a half, 67%, 24 and 12 in his career. I love getting the revenge spot from last year, from the playoff spot, because there was that game where they got absolutely humiliated in, um, there was that Sunday night game where it was like, what was it, like 21 nothing in like two minutes? So right, I love right. that. Um, I really like the Steelers' defense. You mentioned their run defense. Um, I think. The Browns' offensive line is a little bit more banged up than people realize, and I think they're going to be able to get to Mayfield. And the fact that Mayfield is playing makes me like the Steelers more because he's not 100%. And in that game against the Cardinals, he just kind of fell. It wasn't like a nasty hit. He just kind of like got rolled up on, and he acted like he was like dying when he got he got shot or something. You know what I mean? So he's out, he's not 100%. So he's going to be protecting it, and with I don't think Baker's going to be able to throw the ball. You mentioned the Steeler, that excuse me, the Browns defense. Um, Denzel um, Denzel Ward is banged up and he's not going to play, and I think Big Ben is going to be able to take advantage of that. But the big question is, is his line going to be able to protect um, protect him? Because the offensive line in my power rankings. You know, is is really really bad, but um, yeah, this is just to me like there's that Mike Tomlin like us against the world spot that I always love, and that's why I kind of love this spot. Um, now in terms of injuries, like I mentioned, Denzel Ward, um, and well, actually, let's use last night. We'll use last night as an example. Um, mm-hmm. Devontae Adams goes out, line opened up at three and a half. Adams goes out, got up to six and a half. Like how yeah. how does a player like Devonte Adams affect what you do? So it's actually interesting to say that because from my model, I actually do this based on a um, a lineup actually adjustment. So I have one that does from an overall team perspective, and I have my secondary model which does it from an actual lineup perspective. So I actually do have the consideration of taking players at like starting players that make a significant difference on that DeBoa outcome, um, a reality into my model line. So it absolutely did, um, make a difference. The, the interesting part though, is that my model did still capture green Bay plus six and a half as the play for last night. Okay. And I actually projected green Bay at a minus six line overall. Okay. Okay. Um, so that's interesting. So right now, like, so, you just complete so even if like so like the revenge factor or Tomlin against the spread numbers, you really don't look at that historical data. It's just pure analytics type stuff. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. I can't you know, like I've looked at so from a historical aspect though, it's still data. Like yeah. it is still the numbers and I do incorporate last season to a certain degree into this season. Like you can't take 100% out of the gate, you know, 
any of this season numbers when people are trying to bet week one, which I obviously don't recommend to begin with anyway. But that being said, if you're actually trying to forecast predict, you know, the actual predictive model the right way, you're going to have to blend a little bit of last season with this season, excuse me, throughout the course of the whole season itself, um, just to do it correctly. At a certain point, you know, let's say by week, I don't know, almost we're almost there really, by week nine, you know, you can pretty much take this year's stats as a 100% indicator of, you know, how a team is performing and where they're at. But for the majority, yes, I don't, I don't bet on trends such as, you know, you know, this team only ever did this over, you know, X, you know, while it rained or whatever. Yeah. So, you know, it was, I, I don't take those kind of trend bets into, uh, trend factors into consideration, but I do absolutely look at the, you know, statistical team overall and then as well as the certain players that will have more impact on that game but from you, an offensive output. But you won't necessarily look at like Tomlin, like Tomlin off a loss, what is against the spread record is, Tomlin off a buy, stuff like that. Never. No. Okay. That to okay. me, that, those aren't my situational angles, right? Okay. My situational angle is going to be, though, something like team coming off of a buy. Team, uh, you know, so those are the things that I do definitely take into consideration. However, I more or less enjoy looking and reflecting on the team's performance over like probably the last four to five games. That is actually more of a true indicator of how a team is, you know, are they in good form? Do you even think that's a quality play based on that? So I pretty much matched that up from the numbers with what, what kind of form is this team in, you know, for me to even bet on them this way and feel confident about that. So basically how I'm taking what you just said is, you need to make sure you call Kip Kingsbury's ass and ask him why the hell he wasn't running the ball last night. Because Jesus that, Christ, it. dude! Like, I mean that because I I was all in on James Conner on fan on DFS last night, man. And like I oh, <laughs> like I mean he wasn't touching the ball, but I totally agree with what you're saying. Like when I do my fantasy stuff, I look at the four game stuff, um, and this is great, dude, because. I like it to have people on here that look at stuff different ways. Like you're very successful at what you do in the sports betting world. I like to consider myself successful, but we look at stuff completely different. It doesn't make, you know what I mean? And this is why it's good because it teaches people a different way of looking at stuff. So the next game, and this is kind of like a marquee game. It's going to be the showcase game, probably the Fox game of the week. It is the um, Tampa Bay Buccaneers at the New Orleans Saints. What does what do your numbers say about this game? Okay, let me look at that game real quick. So, uh, let's see here. I mean, <clears throat> again, looking at these teams, you know, across the board, based on where my statistical model has these teams right now, you know, Tampa Bay is sitting six and one overall record. Saints are sitting at four and two overall. On the road, Tampa Bay is two and one. <clears throat> Excuse me. And, you know, the Saints are 0-1 at home right now from a uh, home and away perspective. So across the board, Tampa Bay's DeVoe stats absolutely, you know, crush just from an overall numbers perspective. I mean, Tampa Bay is sitting sixth ranked offensive uh, rushing rank uh, from a rushing defense perspective. They're number four from a passing offensive perspective. They're number two from a defensive Passive pass rank, they're number 11. I mean, they are in the top 10 in every single category. I mean, even in the top five in most instances. Um, <clears throat> this line is sitting at minus five and a half. 
you know, at least from when I at least looked at it from an opening perspective the other day, um, I'm trying to look across a couple models here at the same time while I'm saying this, but basically, um, from, you know, that ass, that ass book, let me make sure I'm looking at the same thing. Yeah, actually it opened at minus two and a half and now it's sitting at minus four and a half in favor of Tampa Bay. And I'm really not surprised to kind of see that just because again, just those numbers that I just listed off from a DeVoe perspective, saints, you know, they're right there though. They're, they don't get me wrong. They have quite a rushing defense. They are number two in rushing defense. So, you know, from that aspect, they actually are going to keep pace with Tampa Bay in this game, in my opinion. From a rushing offensive perspective, the Saints are sitting at number 20, which surprises me because I'm a big Kamara fan. I've had him. I use my keeper in my league for fantasy. And, you know, I obviously want him to do very well here. Um, but reality is both these team defenses from a rushing perspective are solid. Uh, same with their passing offensive ranking as well. They, uh, you know, Tampa Bay might be number two, but New Orleans is still number nine. You know, that actually surprised me seeing them in the top 10 there a, a little bit. But from a defensive rank as well, you know, again, and I'm highlighting defense a lot here. I'll, I'll get to that in a minute. But, you know, again, Tampa Bay, I mentioned, is number 11 overall in passing defense. And the Saints are sitting at number six overall in passing defense. What this means to me is, you know, pretty pretty simple, right? Like, I mean, this game is going to be a very close game. Um, this game should, you know, even that line spiking to what it is, again, to me, that's that's public perception, right? Like, that is where the line is set. And, you know, something to, <laughs> to consider here is that my model average is actually looking at this game as a uh, more of an even game, I actually see. Um, I'm actually seeing this as a lean toward New Orleans uh, at the four and a half mark right now. Not by much. Um, I've got a line on one model sitting at, you know, pretty much a pick 'em game. And then the other one, more a line, more a line of like about the three still favoring Tampa Bay, but just not as high as what the book line is currently sitting at. So the other indicator to me is that, you know, if that line opened up or if it moves back down, you're going to see a reverse line movement in favor of the Saints, right? That's another situational angle that I look at with line movement as well. But overall, you know, again, from a spread perspective, not seeing a lot of value in terms of actually making it a play for myself. However, the line definitely leans in favor of the Saints. I think a lot of people would probably, you know, just be surprised. But the Saints at home, you know, they're, they're sitting with, you know, they've only played at home at least, you know, one time, at least from what I'm, gathering as long as these records are correct but you know it's it's one of these things where <clears throat> you know again public recession setting that line a certain way obviously favoring tampa bay and everything else to consider because let's face it james winston isn't <laughs> to me in my opinion a really great quarterback to have in there for them at this point right like i think they really need to find another option but that being said, this is going to become more of a defensive game than people realize. And from that perspective, I moved to the totals where the line has been sitting around 49 and a half. And pretty much I'm seeing that from two different perspectives, but really leaning toward the under 49 and a half in the game. I'm seeing more of a total of around 41 to, you know, somewhere as low as, you know, only as high as 46. So, you know, again, I try to use kind of more of that touchdown margin for myself. 
And based on the average of those, you know, that actually comes right around like the 42 mark um, for myself, 43. And, you know, it's something that I would actually consider, you know, taking the under on in this game. Now, let me, now this is completely off of this game. And it was just a question I just thought of. So hypothetically, um, let's, let, let's just take a total random game. Let's take the, um, what's like the ugliest game on the board this week, the Jag Seahawks. Okay. And like you, you ugliest game on the board. So hypothetically, like let's say I'm just throwing out a random number here. Let's say you have this at Seahawks with your your personal numbers and everything. Let's say you have the C. You, let's say you have the Seahawks plus five. Okay. Um. No, sorry. Ex- excuse me. Let's say you have the Jaguars plus five. Seahawks get up yep. to a quick seven zero lead. Live line pops of Jags plus ten. No, like you need seven points. Sorry. Let's say you have it at plus three. Let's say you have Jag. Let's say you have Jaguars plus three. Seahawks score. Live line gets up to Jaguars plus ten, and that is the seven point differential you'll need. Would you lock it in live, or since the game has already started, would you just pass? Actually, so I, I do enjoy doing live bets as well. Right, I think that is where the books mess up a ton because they actually just don't have enough time to react to the market and set a good line. Mm-hmm. That being said, I do have my projected outcomes of a spread, right? And so I've already got the projection for the game of where that should settle. And actually for this game, you know, I'm looking at the line and I've got the Seahawks projected around a minus 16, minus 17 average for this game. Um, That being said, if I saw the Jags at plus 10, I wouldn't take it. I I would actually still bet it in favor I wouldn't actually bet the game because then you'd, I wouldn't bet that in favor of Seattle because I'd probably have already bet the game in terms of a minus three and a half early, mm-hmm. and there's no reason for me to try to make myself risk my you know opening wager with a live wager at that point. However, at the same time, yeah, I hear what you're saying. Like, and if I did see value, like the only way I'd take that is if that jumped to like plus seventeen or something like that for the Jags. Okay. Then. That's when I think you know I can actually hit on the Jags and actually probably benefit on both sides of that bet. Um, but you know, in terms of and, and the same thing with the totals, right? Like if I saw that total jump for whatever reason, you know, in that same game, like I think their line total right now is like sitting at forty three. You know, and, and if I saw that you know jump to a level, I don't know, probably in the sixties. You know, at least from what I'm saying, or at least what I'm seeing, then. Yeah, I would absolutely hit the under in that game at that point because I know that my model average is sitting at like a 52 and I don't see any way that they'll get any higher. But I also keep in, in mind, I'm watching pace of play and things like this, but I just know what you know I've already projected and I compare that to the live lines that come out. And if it's within range for me to you know try and hit on both sides, then I absolutely will. Okay, all right. Um, now back to this game. Sorry, this just, when you were talking, I was just no, talking about um, Yeah. So for me in this game, I like the Saints. And the reason I like the Saints is a um, – now, when I looked at the Football Outsiders DVOA, I noticed the Bucks have only faced two teams in their um, top 10 DVOA. They went 2-0 and against the spread against those teams. And the Saints, according to their DVOA, are seventh in the NFL Saints lead the NFL with 29 knockdowns. I think their defensive line is going to be able to disrupt the Buccaneers' offensive line, get to Brady. They're getting Davenport back, which upgrades that. Um, 
Saints are getting healthier in the back four, so I think that helps them against Godwin and Evans, and A.B. has been ruled out. I still don't know if Gronk's going to be back. Um, I feel this is arguably the best defense that they've played against. I think the Rams have a little bit of holes because they lost some guys to Cleveland. Looking at Peyton, and now, like, you made this comment and about historical data, and I am going to take this with a grain of salt because this data is when Peyton did have Drew Brees as his quarterback and not Jameis Winston. But he's 63% against the spread as a dog, 64% against the spread as a home dog. And I love playoff revenge angles. Like, I, I have a psychology degree. Like, I love this stuff. I love the playoff revenge angles. And then you mentioned last year. Last year, the games, the Bucks won 38-3. to um, that was that game that got out of whack, that Sunday night game that was just weird. And then yep. they lost, they won the first game 30, the, sorry, excuse me, they won the first game 34 to 23 at home. That's what the game where Mike Thomas got hurt. I just think this, these teams are a little bit more evenly valued than people realize. And you hit it on the head. I think the public perception, because the Saints played that ugly ass game on Monday night football. I think this line has kind of creeped up. I actually like the Saints in a plus six. Yeah, that's uh, that's a really good bet. I mean, like I said, I I'm leaning with the Saints too. That's definitely my lean, um, without a doubt. And you know, so I'm I'm actually kind of glad to hear that we're both on the same page with that one. Yeah, it's nice to actually agree. <laughs> like, but you know, like I like, <laughs> but here's the thing. Like, I I like to hear other people's like just the way of like perceiving stuff because that's the way you learn. And like what I found out when I first started doing this, like many many moons ago was my way wasn't always necessarily the right right way and the older I got the more I'm open to learning and doing stuff like I've just now incorporated like the coach's historic trends that's been something I started this year um DVOA from football outsiders I started incorporating last year so I'm trying to start like using some more of this other stuff because I really feel that's the way we better ourselves and like um and learning everything. Um, looking at your board and everything, what is the one game where, like, I have to ask you, some Alliance fan, do you okay. have a lot? Because, like, Jesus Christ, we fucking suck. Um, <laughs> and, <laughs> according according to your numbers, is there any chance we can cover or get a win against Philly this weekend? Yes, actually. <laughs> yes, is. yes. Um, there is actually like so. You know, looking at this one, if if there was a game, at, you know, for Detroit to win, I think it's this game. Um, and you know, that's that's looking at it across the board, right? I mean, assuming DeAndre Swift is healthy enough to play, um, you know, which he's got a questionable tag, and you know, looking at just the overall unit and you know, line matchup right now. From a projection standpoint, based on lineups, I've got Detroit with a minus six line. So, you know, we're sitting at three and a half right now overall from a book perspective. And, you know, I'm showing Detroit as a favorite. What does that mean to me? I'm playing the money line on this. I'm not playing within three points. Like, you play three points on a, on a home team, you may as well be playing just the money line. A lot of people, I think get a little too wrapped up in the spread of, you know, the perception of NFL being a spread sport. To me, NFL is a money line sport. These are dogs that are sitting there with like plus 160, you know, and up kind of value. 
where, you know, people are just missing, missing out on extra cash. Now, granted, you know, don't get me wrong. There is some value, of course, when the book's giving you like plus 10 and, you know, the team's got to win by two touchdowns in order to cover that. However, when teams are sitting around that, you know, plus three, plus four, you know, kind of line, even to plus five in some instances, just play the money line. You're going to like a lot of these teams, they're, they're going to win by more than five points. They're going to win by more than six in a lot of instances. So I'm pretty sure the league average for point differential is sitting around like a nine to 11 anyway. Um, you know, so that's just like kind of the, the margin of error that people should consider, you know, when looking at a dog, especially a home dog, um, you know, that's definitely hungry for a win right now. I, you know, yeah, I am actually looking at it in favor of Detroit. You know, their DeVoe ranks aren't, they're all sitting in the bottom, you know, 20s, you know, 25, 25, 21, 27, 27 across the board is what I'm reading right now. You know, they're 0 and 3 at home. They're facing a, a, a team, though, that's 2 and 2, 50 50 on the road, right? Like, I mean, Philly's not shown a whole lot in, you know, in terms of just overall play. Um, you know, they also are just coming off of another loss. You know, the only thing that makes Jalen Hurts right now look as good as he does is because his fourth quarter numbers are a lot of garbage time, you know, uh, stats that are just adding to his stats, if you will. Um, so from that perspective, you know, I would say, you know, <laughs> from an overall ranking, you know, both of these teams, they don't have great rushing defensive uh, defenses. They both also don't have great passing defenses. So I could actually see this game like going over in terms of the total uh, of 48 just could be like a, a back and forth shootout and end up in the hands of the Lions at home. So that's at least kind of how I'm looking at this game right now. Man, I may have to bust out my old school Megatron jersey then. We may actually get a win, <laughs> dude. I mean, like, I don't even remember the last time. God, I don't even remember the last time we got a win. That's how long it's been. Um, yeah, I think they're going to win the game, too. I mean, this Eagles team to me is a nightmare. Um their coach Sirianni seems like way over their head. And um, the one thing that I've noticed is these young coaches that come in that do good, have a BS Stefanski or the guy in um, who's the chargers coach Staley. They bring in yeah. like some old, an old timer that had head coaching experience on their staff and make them like an offensive line coach or like, you know what I mean? They, they have someone there with experience that can kind of like help them out. Like Sirianni didn't do that. He has all these young guys on staff that are like around his age. So all these guys just seem lost at what the hell they're doing. Um, and you can kind of see that like, because they the game starts out well, and then there's like no adjustments. He's not running the ball with Miles Sanders, and he's out. Um, you know, and the Eagles, according to like, um, like my fantasy rankings, the Eagles are fourth worst versus the run. And they're giving up seven receptions a game to running backs. And that's all this Lions offense is. It just filters through DeAndre Swift with him running the ball and catching passes. So, I mean, I love the Lions here. So, it's great to see we we agree on two this week, my friend. Um, Absolutely. David, man, it was awesome catching up with you um, before we recorded and uh, talking uh, talking some, some uh, NFL betting. Um, my question to you is college basketball – is starting in a couple weeks now, like November 9th. Um, yeah. I'm thinking maybe second week in December, like whatever that is, December 7th, 9th, you know, 
um, maybe you can come on and we can talk a little um, like analytics in college basketball. Absolutely. Look forward to it. Awesome, my man. Why don't you tell everyone where they can find you on social media? Thank you very much. Yeah, if you're looking for my handle, it's at alphaanalytics21 on Instagram. And, you know, just, you know, please feel free to reach out. That's alpha actually underscore analytics21. Um, you know, I'm always available for questions. You know, I, I love to talk sports and the numbers. So, you know, anything that you're ever looking to run past me, please, you know, feel free to come by. I've got a model set for every professional U.S. league and a lot of uh, international leagues after after the last year that we've occurred. So, um, yeah, look forward to it. And, Eric, really appreciate the time today. Awesome, man. Great catching up with you. Best of luck this weekend. And uh, looking forward to talking a little hoops in uh, December, my friend. Sounds good. Thank you, sir. So now let's shift our attention to NASCAR and as he's done every week during the NASCAR season, Brandon, Boston Boy 83 on Instagram, also off of the post, Boston Sports comes on. Brandon, how are you doing today, my man? Doing good. How about yourself? You know what? It's getting cold, dude. I had my heat Love on. It. It, like, it's raining here. It's fucking just disgusting here in Chicago. But other than that, I'm surviving. Um, Martinsville, uh, one of your favorite tracks. I know that. Um, interesting race coming up. Um, in terms of playoff implication, how does the playoffs look right now going into this race? So you've got Larson locked in. You got Elliott and Hamlin up 30 something points. You got Kyle Busch one point above the cut line. Blaney, I believe, one point below. And then you have uh, Keselowski. Right there, three or six points below. And then you got Logano at the very bottom, 26 points. The best part about going into this race, boys have at it. Short track racing. Bumpers are going to be on bumpers. Somebody's feelings are going to get hurt. Now, do you think, well, Chase is basically qualified for the for the last, for the, the championship four, correct? Correct. So... It wouldn't make sense for Harvick to quote unquote get back at him in this race. It would, um, honestly, it would because if if they start near each other and he does dump him early, then Chase doesn't make it in. So Chase would need to. I doubt Harvick's going to go after him. Harvick got his payback. They raced side by side last week for a little while. Thought Chase was going to actually win us some money because that's who we bet on, and he scrubbed the wall with ten to go as he was closing in on Larson. But um, NASCAR has made it clear to both the guys leave each other alone, or or somebody's going to be penalized. Okay. If Harvick did do something that stupid to me, it tarnishes him, and it's just it's horrible. <laughs> but if he has any payback that he still wants to unleash. Martinsville is going to be the race. Okay. All right. Now, um, I will say this. If you had two playoff drivers near each other at the end of the race and one has to finish in front of the other, bumpers will hit. Nah, that That's the stuff. Rubbin's racing. Isn't that the line from yeah, the, that's uh, right. what's it, the line from God, Days of Thunder? Days of Thunder. God, good old uh, Cole Trickle yells out, Harry, this is for you. Oh, inspirational movie, dude. <laughs> yes. God. Well, we watched that movie like when I went to college, it was Days of Thunder, European, not European vacation, road trip. Yep. And uh, ski school. 
Those are our three yes. movies in cycle. That, and Dazed and Confused. Those, yeah. <laughs> those were our four <laughs> movies that we watched all the effing time. And it was just amazing how much we watched those movies. And you, I don't think I told you this. I had this... I was on the five-year plan, and I had the same roommates in a house for four years. I mean, I mean, like, we must have watched those movies, like, at least a thousand times. It was, it was hilarious. Now, yeah. I'll, t- I'll tell you this. Two things. One of the best quotes ever in Days of Thunder is, what are you guys doing eating ice cream? Which <laughs> is great. And then, two, a uh, good friend of mine in high school, his dad owns a piece of the barn door that that race car was built in in the movie. Oh, really? That's pretty cool. Yes, because that was filmed here in North Carolina. Oh, really? Okay, that's yeah. pretty cool. That's a, for those of you that haven't watched, Days of Thunder, uh, what is it, mid-90s? <laughs> like, early 80s? Um, it's a NASCAR movie, Nicole Tittman, Tom Hanks, classic. Like, Tom Cruise. S- Tom Cruise, Tom Hanks, what the fuck I'm talking about. Um Cinematic classic, dude. You guys got to check it out. But uh, you're not here for our um, review, our movie reviews. Um, yes. We're here for some racing. I have three guys that I have I, I like this week. I like a lot. Um, first guy I like is plus 420, the racing favorite, Martin Truex. He won the race here last time in the spring. Didn't have the best car. I like Truex. Historically speaking, he has the best of stats the last seven races at Martinsville. Short price, I know, but he needs to win. He needs a good performance. I'm locked in. I like Truex plus 420. Yeah, no, Truex is definitely a solid pick. Um, I mean, you both kind of like to steer away from the favorite when it's when it's that low, but um, he needs to get in. He needs to get a win. Um, he will definitely be on my card this weekend. No. The next person I'm looking at, uh, plus 800, Ryan Blaney. Raced third here in 2018, two top fives in 2019, second in both races last year. And I think it was the spring race. He had the best car here, but there was a blunder, a penalty at the end of stage three that allowed Truex to win. I think Blaney at plus 800 is insanely underpriced here, and I'm just playing the number. Uh, take him, add him to the card for sure. Uh, his history at the track's been good. His blunders, shit happens, but um, I think he really wants to get into the final four. This is the best season he's ever had. I think it'd be a waste of an entire year if if he uh, if he's not able to get into the final four. Now, so I'd love to see him do it. Two other guys, and they basically have the same stats. One win in their last uh, seven, three top fives. Average finish, basically the same. But I'm really torn on who to take here. Logano and Kozlowski are both 10-1. to 1. Is there a lean other way? either way? Because I feel like if I take Truex and Blaney, I can't take both. I need to take one or the other. I agree. Um, I wouldn't take... <sighs> I like having both Truex and Blaney. I really do. Um, I do like the odds of Logano for sure. And he has a guy to stick his nose in where it doesn't need to go. And if there's a track to do it at, it's going to be this track. Um, 
big fan of Logano. I hate to say it because you know I'm not a Logano fan, but we're not here to love or hate people. We're here to make money. Um, yeah, and I, like, I, I that's, do like Logano. That's the thing about betting. I'll be the first to admit, I motherfucking hate Tua Talagalola. But son of a bitch, I had the Dolphins plus two and a half, and I was the biggest Tua fan last weekend, man. Um, so sometimes you have to bad people you don't like. Uh, who um, who's sniffing? Who are you sniffing out this weekend? I'm, I'm going to do it. I'm definitely not doing it because I'm a homer. I like Hamlin, and I like Chase. The point being, both guys are plus 34. If they can win and prevent any of these bottom guys – to get in, like Logano wins, it's pushing somebody out. So if you can sit there and get you a win, lock yourself in and prevent somebody else from the bottom tier of jumping, I think it's great. So, and I also think if Hamlin or Logano, or I'm sorry, if Hamlin or Chase gets playoff points or stage points in the first stage, it could possibly lock them in based off where others are running or anything's happened to where. Now they might as well go for it all without any any concerns about anything. Okay, all right. I um I get what you're saying. Is there any now? Usually you have like some sort of long shot. Is there anyone that's kind of a little further down the board that has your interest peak? Um, let me let me check something. What about like a Ross Chastain at eighty five to one? Not bad, not not bad at all. Uh, not bad equipment. I think there's a good opportunity for him to be able to possibly sneak something out. I'm trying to get both out of here, guys. So bear with me. What about a Tyler Reddick? Oh, what, what's the odds? Fifty five to one. Yes, I like that. Lock Tyler Reddick in as one of your long shots. He's 55 to 1 for you. 55 and FanDuel. All right, guys. Here's where we talk about the books being different. Bovada, 33 to 1. Yep. Bovada, Ross Chastain, 150 to 1. Wow. What about. Um, now, you talked about Maddie D needing a ride. Any, any opportunity here for him to pull off a little magic or no? I don't see why not. I mean, with the odds, if you're, if you're gonna if you got a couple of heavy hitters and you want to just add something to your lineup, I don't see why you wouldn't do it. The guy needs a win, and he's only got two races left. So, does he do whatever he has to do to get a win? I think there's an opportunity for it. Okay, so let's lock in Matty D. I'm locking in Blaney. I'm locking in Logano. I'm locking in Truex. Uh, what about what about Harvick? Or is like season over? Just let's move on from Kevin. Anytime I hear the word Harvick, I'm just gonna say I'm just here so I don't get fined. Because <laughs> I still have personal feelings against them. Uh, no, I, uh, I, I I don't think so, man. I think his season's gonna be chalked up as just a bad one and. Keep it moving. I, I don't think no. Okay. Not riding with the guy. Okay. Now, now I will say we might have not have hit last week. We came very close with the chase, but we did call fading Blaney last week, thinking something was going to happen, and he hit the wall and destroyed his car. Yep. So, 
Yep. And this is a nice little bounce. on the face. This is a nice little bounce back spot for him. Tracky's done well at. I think he's a little under the radar, eight to one. Um, so I'm definitely want to be invested in him. Now we've always kind of looked at these driver pop props, these head to head matchups. Now these are provided from DraftKings. Tyler Reddick minus one forty. Al Almarillo plus one fifteen. Say that one again. I'm sorry. Reddick minus one forty. Almarello plus one fifteen. Reddick all day. Chase Elliott minus one twenty. Hamlin even. <sighs> That's a pick 'em. Yeah. I mean, I hate to say it, both of them are going to be on my card. I think they're both going to race well. They both have almost equal amount of points. Um, I never want to hand out any type of bet that I don't feel comfortable with. So I'm going to I'm going to let. Everybody choose on that one as a pick. Blaney minus one thirty five. Kyle Busch plus one ten. Blaney. Bubba Wallace minus one twenty five. Austin Dillon plus one oh five. Dillon. Truex minus one thirty. Larson plus one oh five. Truex. Bowman minus one fifteen. Kurt Busch minus one oh five. Say that one again. I'm sorry. Uh, Kurt Busch minus one oh five. Alex Bowman minus one fifteen. Kurt. Uh, Logano and Kozlowski, pick them. Logano. Uh, Christopher Bell, minus 125. Kevin Harvick, plus 105. I'm Bell. He's good at these short tracks. Matthew D, minus 115. Chastain, minus 105. Matty D. Group A, Truex, Elliott, Larson, Hamlin. I'm going Truex. Group B, Blaney, Kozlowski, Kyle Busch, Logano. Blaney. Group C, Byron, Harvick, Bell, Bowman. What's Bell on that? Bell is plus 270, the second favorite. Yeah, give me Bell. Group D, Kurt Busch, Tyler Reddick, Almarello, Matty D. Reddick. Chastain, Dylan, Bubba, Chris Busher. Dean, Chastain. Now, Group F. These are the these are the ones I like betting. Cole Cluster, Daniel Suarez, Eric Jones, and Ricky Stenhouse. God Almighty, give me Suarez. Those are the, threw a dart, and that's where it landed. Those are the ones I like betting. Um, now there's some interesting ones. We're kind of talking these off air. Um. Playoff specials. Uh, Kyle Bush to qualify for the championship four. No minus 120. Yes, even. No. Um, now, Chase Elliott. Yes, minus 2,500. No, plus 1,200. The only way you bet on that is if you're willing to unload some cash. The man's plus 34 points. Like I said, if he gets stage points in the first stage and finishes inside like the top 25 or 30, he's locked in. Um, so. Denny Hamlin, same odds. Same, same thing. Now, here's an interesting one. Brad Kozlowski, no minus 650, yes plus 450. What does Brad need to do to get into this? He's only three. He's got to beat Kyle and Blaney. He's got to beat Kyle and Blaney. Okay. Now, so, by a couple of spots. And my, my thing with that is, 
riding, so if you're riding Blaney like we are, you don't take this bet. Because, well, if you're putting it all on Blaney, expecting him to win, and that's truly what you think is going to happen, then you stay away from it. Or you almost hedge your own bet. You take Blaney for the win, and then you take Brad at plus 400 to get in. Because if Blaney has a huge mistake and Kozlowski finishes in front of Harvey or in front of uh, Kyle, then he's in. Um. So I'm kind of torn on it. Yeah, that's an interesting little one. I'll probably just sit that one out since I'm riding Blaney, like you pointed out. Uh, Truex minus one thirty, yes. Plus one ten, no. I like him getting in. I think he's going to beat Brad. Again, I think something's going to happen to Kyle. I told you off air. Yeah. Kyle's going to make a mistake. Somebody's going to put a bumper to him. He's going to be yelling to the media, crying, whining. NASCAR's got to change this and that. And I just I, I, I just have a weird feeling. I could be dead wrong, guys, and there's no stats or anything to lead, lean towards it. But I just got a feeling around 3.30, 4 o'clock. On Sunday, we're going to see Kyle Busch talking to the media during the race all pissed off. Uh, Blaney, no minus 120, yes, even money. Yeah, I like it. <laughs> I think the kid's going to get in. I mean, if not, again, like we talked off air, season's going to be a waste. Now, what does he need to do to not get in? What needs to happen for him not to get in? He's one point behind Kyle Busch. So if he can collect some stage points right out the gate, more than the guys below him and Kyle, then that puts him in automatically if he's finishing above these guys because you're you're playing this point system. So you're going to see a lot of these contenders go after stage points early. Mm-hmm. Like it'd be huge for Logano to finish first and get you 10 stage points and hope that some of these guys around you finish outside the top 10 in the first stage. And now you're only 16 points behind after stage one. Yeah, that that makes sense, man. Totally makes sense. Um, Brandon, I would like to thank you for taking time out of your Friday to come on, talk a little NASCAR. Before I let you go, I have two questions for you. Question one, are the Patriots going to cover the four this weekend? Absolutely. Question number two. What the fuck is going on with your Celtics? Never heard of them. <laughs> Never heard you know, of them. I'm telling you, we're falling back. We're falling back into, I I still firmly believe having Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown on the same team, even though they're both great, is not compatible. Now, for whatever reason, they cannot figure it out together. Now, let me ask you this. Dylan, who's like came on earlier in the podcast, him and I talked a little NBA, and one of the talking points was teams we could see John Wall going to. And he made a point saying that there's no real point guard, that Schroeder really isn't the guy, and that the Celtics kind of need like a little bit of a leader. And he said that they should try to make a trade for uh, John Wall work. How... Do you would you feel about that? I'd love it because I've hated Shrouder. I've never liked him when he got into the league. I've just I've never been a fan of his play whatsoever. Um, I think he has 
little signs of greatness and everybody just throws a blanket on him thinking he's amazing when I don't think he's that great of a point guard. And when we got him and everybody's like, oh my God, look who we got. It's like, I don't want him. Mm-hmm. I'd literally rather see Tatum bring the ball up the court with four guys on the court than having Schroeder even touching anything. Now, back to that. So, like, what... So, I'm on NBA Trade Machine right now. And, I mean, to make it work, I mean, you'd probably have to give up Josh Richardson. Um, You can't trade Marcus Smart. Um... You probably aren't going to tra- – I mean, between Tatum and Brown, who are you trading? Brown all day. All right, you trade Brown. And uh, let's throw – And then you're going to have to get rid of a pick, too. And you're probably going to have to – yeah, Shrouder. So let's say you give – no, Shrouder can't be traded. Would you go no – How about this? Wall for Jalen Brown, Josh Richardson, and Langford. I do it only because it gets gets rid of Brown. See, I like Brown though, man. Oh, I know. So don't get me wrong. I love Brown. If I had to have Tatum or Brown head to head, I think Tatum all day. See, but if these two can't play together, there's no point in having Brown. As crazy as it sounds, I how can I word this? I think Tatum. I think Brown is a higher ceiling than Tatum does. And the, the one thing that Brown does that I really like that Tatum, in my eyes, struggles with is when he drives and people run to at him, he not, Brown is always able to hit the guy in stride right where the pass needs to be. Tatum, A, never passes it, or his passes suck, and the guy has to readjust, and then it gives the guy that that doubled time to get back out and close the gap. That's my one thing why I like Brown more than Tatum. That's very true. So that's the, but that's interesting. I just want to get your, uh, get your point, get your feelings as a Celtic fan. Cause I never, never really heard of John Wall to the Celtics before Dylan brought it up. But Brandon, thanks for coming on. Why don't you tell everyone where they can find you on social media? Yeah. Boston boy D3 on Twitch, uh, Twitter, iRacing, all of the above, uh, Having some really good stuff going on there, so keep an eye out soon. Should have some shirts and stuff coming your way. They're still in the print process, or I should say design process. But uh, everything's going well there. Off the Post Boston Sports on Instagram, but it's been very, very slow, guys. Not a whole lot of content's been posted in a while. I'll be back on there soon. But, uh, yeah, Boston Boy 83, Twitch, Twitter, and Instagram. All right, guys, make sure you give Brandon a follow. Brandon, thanks for coming on. Uh, you enjoy your weekend. Let's cash some tickets, my friend. You too. Let's get it. We need a rebound. Guys, thanks for tuning in. Like, subscribe, give me a review. Tell me you like the podcast. Tell me you hate it. Show a little love to your boy. It's greatly appreciated. I would love to thank this week's guest, Dylan, DC underscore sports guy, um, coming on, talking a little NBA. My boy, David, Alpha. Analytics 21 coming on talking a little analytic number based betting and as always Brandon Boston Boy 83 to coming on talking a little NASCAR make sure you guys give those guys a follow I wouldn't be where I am today with this podcast and everything I'm doing without the support of you guys and those guys coming on 
Thanks for tuning in. Let's cash some tickets. Let's make some money. Make sure you guys check me out uh, and Bully the Line on Saturday on our live stream, which really looking forward to that. And then Sunday, I will be on the Better Than Vegas live stream. Let's cash some tickets. Let's have a weekend, boys.